Proverbs chapter 16, verse 4 is where we want to be as our foundational text this morning. There's a story floating around about three guys who wanted to sneak into the Olympic Games several years ago. And I don't know if they thought someone there might mistake them for athletes or if they just wanted to meet the female gymnast, I don't know. But they just kind of hung around and loitered around the main gate. And as they were loitering there, some big guy, hawking guy, walked up with his athletic duffel bag, his bulging biceps, his size 19 neck, uh, and said to the guards, I'm Agnes McPherson, Scotland, shot put. Well, the guards kind of looked him over and looked at his bag and saw the big shot put in his bag, and they waved him right through. They gave him room keys. They gave him food vouchers for Pizza Hut, McDonald's, and Haggadah's food courts. These three guys said to themselves, cool, we can do this. So they started to think, and the first guy sneaks outside, slices off some branches off of a tree, and goes up to the guards and simply says this, Chuck Wagon, Canada, Javelin. Well, they looked in his bag and checked out his sticks and said, welcome, come on in. It handed him in his keys and all the food things. The second guy goes down an alley, pries up a, a manhole cover, marches right up, announces himself, Dusty Rhodes, Australia, discus. Welcome to the Olympics, Mr. Rhodes. So these two guys find themselves inside. Now they're standing there wondering if their third drunk friend uh, is going to be able to pull this off like they were able to get in. So the third guy walks down this alley, and he finally goes off for quite a while. Finally comes back and walks up to the gate with this big roll of barbed wire painfully under his arm. He says... Foster Bean, USA, Vermont, fencing. My wife's going, no, 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 no. People who were not supposed to be there trying to fit in, right? This morning we're going to talk about the topic of why am I here? And those three guys are probably questioning themselves as to why they're there other than the free food and hanging out with all the athletes. So the the question is simply this this morning. Why was I put here? And a lot of people will tell you in the world today, I don't seem to fit in anywhere, really, in life. I don't seem to be on the fast track to any specific thing. And some people say, I don't even make a difference in the world today. Remember last week we talked about the wasted life? That we don't want to waste our life for God. And what we were reminded of about what God wants that he wants our life, that he wants to be in this relationship with us, that's number one. We also said that God needed to be number one, that a close second didn't count, and that distant third, you better make some changes in our life if God is second or third in our life, that God has to be first. Then we said also in order to come into this full relationship, it takes that word we don't like, and that's that word discipline. Because we don't be disciplined about anything. We want things our way. We want to do what we want. So I'm not going to go on that diet because it means I can't have the donuts. My diet is not having sprinkles on the donuts, but that's okay. But we don't like this discipline idea. And number three, we owe all of this to God because of the cross. Okay? Let's not waste the life that God has given to us because God has given us a special opportunity. So purpose 2018, number one, was why am I here? And today I'd like for us to focus on an all-important question. And that question is simply this, why was I even 
born? Why was I even created in the first place? The second question of significance is this. Does my life matter? Does it matter what I'm doing? Does it matter that I'm even here? And the third question is, what is my purpose? What is my purpose here in this world? Now, I truly believe people have fretted over this question uh, ever since the beginning of time, of the purpose of why they're there. I even understand Eve in the Garden of Eden was insecure about whether she had meaning in life or not. And Adam was constantly trying to reassure her, Eve, you're the only woman for me. There's no one else. Thank you, Carolyn. Carolyn got it, okay? Jokes don't get any better, people. But this is our first question of existence. Why am I alive? Why am I alive in 2018? In fact, Jeremiah 2018, we find this lament. It says this. Jeremiah says, Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? I mean, this is Jeremiah basically saying, Why was I even born to see sorrow, to see trouble? To end my life in disgrace and what I'm doing in life and what I'm trying to accomplish. And when you go back and read the entire passage from Jeremiah, he's just emotionally lost in what's going on in his life. He is to be forever called to be a prophet, but he's a messenger of doom and it's a thankless task. Think about being that kind of a prophet or a preacher that's constant doom to the people. I mean, his friends, his close friends that are around him even betrayed him. His enemies are on his tail 24-7. And the message God gives him to share is a wretched one. But even at that, it's falling on deaf ears. So even one of God's chosen few can even wonder about his purpose in life and what's going on. Have we questioned that ever? Have you ever really questioned why we're here what we're, why we're doing what we're doing. No, I'm not talking big picture yet. Don't, let's not get too far advanced here. Let's bring it back. I'm not talking big church, big world, big purpose. I want us here individually, first and foremost, to ask ourselves the question, have we ever done that? Rick Warren, who preaches often on the topic of Christian purpose, quotes from a couple modern-day philosophers and writes this. He says, one admitted... My life is a superb cast. I just can't figure out the plot. I can't figure out what I'm doing. A man named Jack Harley put it this way. He says, I hope life isn't a joke because I just don't get it. I mean, think about those statements. Man, I hope this whole life thing is not a joke because I'm not getting it. I'm not laughing about it. And you see, there's people in the world that fall into this materialism mindset and begin spending our entire lives on Best Buy things or eBay or gadgets or things and fun. Or maybe it's even taking it further than that, that we spend it on hedonism. And that, in other words, pleasure and sex and vacations and drugs and gourmet food, even all those things. And please, as you sit here this morning, don't think that you're the only one. King Solomon went down that road in his life. I mean, you used to look at rock stars today and in the past. Rock stars went down that road, and they're often found with abundance of things. I mean, think about it. Sports people even today have all this money, all these things. They have these huge houses, probably more than one. they got all the cars, all the toys they could ever want. And what happens to a lot of them? They end up dead 
with drugs in their veins. Because they have it all, but they still aren't happy. They still don't have a purpose. Many times we seek fulfillment from all the wrong things. Sometimes we seek fulfillment through success, through achievement. And we just think like a lot of people in life, that if I could just get that gold medal, then that's going to set me for life because that's going to define who I am for life. And there's a lot of people like that in the world today. When they win that gold medal, 50 years down the road, they've done nothing in life except look back and they say, but I won a gold medal in the Olympics. Or I won this marathon. Or I did this in life. And there's so many people today that don't believe if I don't get that gold medal, if I don't have that World Series ring, if I don't do this, if I don't do that. And the sad truth is this. Even authors who write books, many books are rejected. Teams lose the World Series one year, or win the World Series one year, and then they're in last place the next year. Same players, same city, same game. If we find fulfillment in things, there are just never enough things in life. I mean, just think about it. If we find fulfillment in things, we buy the next thing, what happens next? There's always another thing. And there's always something else we want. So we're never happy with what we have. If we don't give life, if we don't give our purpose in life a biblical foundation, then the only thing we will ever really accomplish will be for me. Let me explain what I'm saying. The only thing we will really accomplish is for me if there's no biblical foundation, if there's no God involvement with it. So no matter what I want to do, no matter where I want to go, no matter what I want to be, if there's no God in it, if God is second, third, or fourth in our life, then it's going to be for me. When we grab on to the real purpose of our life, and that's why I want you to hear this. When we grab on to the real purpose of our life, when we truly understand this paradigm shift that's got to take place within our hearts, within our lives, within our minds, and the whole thing that we have, and I know you're going to see here and you're going to tell me, Kurt, I've been in this world for 60, 70, 80, 90 years. There's no paradigm shift left in my life. Yeah, there is. Listen to me. If you're sitting here this morning and you're still breathing... If you're not breathing, lay down. It helps the funeral director when he comes in to take you away, okay? Okay? If you have breath, God still has something for you to do. God still has a purpose for you. So don't give me this garbage, I'm too old to do this. Don't give me this stuff that says, no, there's no way I can change. We were joking with my mom yesterday about all the remotes she's got to try to figure out. And my daughter says, we can teach her. And I simply said from another room, you know the old saying about old dogs, right? You know, we can joke about it, and that's fine. But folks, God is not joking about the idea that he has a purpose for your life. I don't care what's going on. I don't care where you're at. God has a purpose. And when we understand the shift that needs to take place, we will feel, finally understand we are not here for any purpose of ours. Yeah, I said it. We're not here for any purpose of ours. It's not your purpose. It's not my purpose. It's not any of our purposes that we are here. So get that clear right now. If you were in this water and you were baptized, and I said it a few weeks ago, a minister from Indianapolis said it at our men's meeting, once you were baptized, you were what? You were sent. 
That's a tough one. You were sent into the world as a light for Jesus Christ. Now, unless you've blown that light out, and the only way you're going to blow that light out is deny there's a God, deny there's a Christ, and folks, that's the unforgivable sin, then it's all lost. So understand this. Instead, instead, I was created for God's purpose. Each and every one of us here this morning is created for God's purpose, not our purpose. And when we figure that out and we grab onto that, we understand that He put us here for His reasons, for His purposes, to meet the needs and the goals and the objectives that are His. I was talking to Larry this morning and I said, I find, and I've always struggled with this in churches. All the churches, and it seems to be a fad that we have to come up with this mission statement, this vision statement, and it's different than what the Scripture says. I truly believe our mission statement, our vision statement is right here. Go into all the world, teaching them to do the things God has called me to do, to go. You're going to hear Acts 2.42 after a while. To come together, to meet together, to pray together, to worship together, to do those things together. Because we are so wore out from a long week that we need to come together. We need to worship together, to gain our strength together, to go back out into the world, to get wore out again, to come back next Sunday, to be revived again. That we're so wore out that we can't do it. We were created for him. Here's our foundational verse for the day. Proverbs 16.4. Listen to what it says. Says the Lord works out everything to its proper end. That's NIV. I like another translation that says this The Lord has made everything for his own purpose. Let me ask you something. Who created you? Who created you? God created us, right? So if God created us and God made everything for his own purpose. God's words tells us in Psalms 139 that we are not an accident, that we are not a mistake, that God planned for you. He planned everything about you. God knew how and when and where you were going to be born. He also is fully aware of our days, and our days are numbered, including the date of our birth and the date of our death. And like I said earlier, that's not predestination, folks. That's just a God who knows us from beginning to end, and he knows our purpose. God knows that good people are killed all the time. And that's not a predestination thing. That's a garbage world we live in, unfortunately. That happens, right? I mean, good people die all the time. Young people die all the time, and we're going, why? And don't, don't think that God is up there saying, okay, it's your turn. That's not who God is. But God allows things to happen in this world. I was supposed to be in over in Illinois yesterday, but we postponed it. This young lady was cremated, so we're going to do it in, in the spring. But I was going to go over and do a funeral for a 42-year-old mom that I did her daughter's funeral years ago after a car wreck on the first day of school. This little girl was in elementary school. And I was supposed to go over. I did her funeral years ago, about this time of year. And then mom, they changed medicines on her for some reason. And that very night, she went to bed, went to sleep, never woke up. Her teenage son found her. Okay, I was supposed to go do that. And I'm going, okay, God, has this family not been through enough? 
And when grandma called me and said, we don't really have a minister, can you come do this funeral? I'm going, yeah. Yeah, I will. You know, an hour and a half drive over, an hour and a half drive back, I wasn't worried about the weather. But I just wanted to go love on him for a little while with God's love, with what God had for him. You see, God in his master design does allow some sad events to be among randomly appearing tragedies in the body that Christ has. You see, we have freedom of choice. We have the choice to either do what God wants us to do or not do what God wants to do. And I understand it's hard a lot of times to make that decision of what God truly is calling me to do. And I understand, I know some of us are getting older and we're getting slower and we just don't have all the energy we used to have. But please understand this, like I said earlier, God has a purpose for you until your last breath. Until our last breath. Last Monday, I took off. I had a friend going in for surgery on Tuesday, and I was going to go over Tuesday morning for surgery, but it was at 7.30 Illinois time. I thought, that's just too early. You know, I was going to spend a half hour with him before surgery, and he and I have gone through a lot together. He has cancer, found tumors on, his, on each femur, and they wanted to do radiation, but it's already eaten into the femur. So I went over and spent the day in Hayworth and saw my fire chief who was battling prostate cancer, and I saw him and went out for supper. Got to see some other people. And a lot of people say, well, that, you know, you're just over there. And it's like, no, there was a reason. Yeah, I got to pray with them. I got to be with them. You know, my purpose isn't always just sitting in an office. My purpose just isn't always doing these other things. What is our purpose, folks? What is God calling us to do? We have a freedom of choice, and God has a loving will. And we do have this enemy for some reason that still wants to come out about midnight and sow weeds into God's garden. And Satan somehow blends these weeds with God's blessings, and we accept it because, well, it's there, and we don't weed the garden. And somehow those blend together, and we just kind of accept it. We go with it. And pretty soon our garden is overgrown with Satan's weeds. In the meantime, we're here for God's purpose, remember, not ours. Five of them, really. We'll look at them here in just a minute, I promise. But let's get to the heart of why we're here. It's very simple. Ephesians 1, 4 tells us the story. Catch what Paul says. Catch this. For he has chosen us, Paul says, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. Catch that. For he has chosen us in him, in Jesus, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. You see, I think we were given babies in the world so that we can love them in a much greater way. You know, I, I can guarantee you when I hold my granddaughter, or really when I hold any baby, any baby doesn't make any difference, it reminds me of the love that we have and we should have for everybody else. But understand, God does that here. This is the kind of love that God has shown us that we are here for his purpose. And get this. And his purpose is to shower his love on us. Isn't that awesome that God's purpose is to love on us, is to shower us with love? We sing that song, Shower of Blessings. That's what it is. To flood us with his love literally means to bathe us in it. To redeem us through it and to restore us through it in other words to be who we're called to be he made us in order that we could be objects of his divine love then we have the question of significance 
And that is simply, does my life matter? Okay? Does my life matter? If I don't accomplish this, if I don't accomplish that, if I don't win this race, if I'm not in the Fortune 500 when I am 30, then so many people believe they're failures. But I think it's interesting that the prophet Jeremiah wonders, and so does his cousin Isaiah in Isaiah 49.4 when he says this. He wonders. Isaiah says, but I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. Maybe you're sitting here saying, maybe I've said it before, trust me. All my work seems to be useless. I spend all my strength for nothing and for no purpose really at all. And Elijah felt the same way after a lifetime of serving God. So folks, we're in good company if we feel this way. We're in good company if we're going through these things right now. We're in good company if we're questioning our purpose, if we're questioning what we're doing for God. Some psychologists tell us that we can exist in several levels, but here's two of them. And maybe some of us are in this level right now. Number one is survival. Man, we're just surviving. We're just enduring what life is throwing at us right now. And you know, when I, I, I read this and then I read a story about some refugee kids in the Sudan. I mean, have you followed some of that in the news? Some of these kids. These kids are fighting for their life. Virtually no food. There's no water. Most of their parents are dead. Rapists lurk everywhere. People are pillaging. And all they can do is hang on to the bread of life. They believe and there's a God. But when you read their story and you see what's going on over there, if your heart doesn't break, man, it makes me wonder who I am. And I sit here and watch these things. You know, so we do have this survival mode. The second one is this, is success. We survive on success. And most of us live here because we are really a chosen people. Now, let's not blow it out of proportion. I mean, everyone sitting here this morning has money. Maybe not as much as you want. Maybe not everything that we want. But we are in the top five percentile of the world, of the richest people in the world. Okay, so we have to admit we are there. But let me ask you this, with everything that we have, I mean, just look around us, look at the church we have. I know it's cold outside and it's bitter outside. And I know we're struggling sometimes. But in the big picture, are we happy? I mean, are we really happy? Can I tell you when I'm the happiest? I wish I could say I'm the happiest when I'm writing a sermon. And that makes me happy, don't get me wrong. I'm the happiest when I've got Addie on my chest and she's sleeping. I don't care what's on TV. I don't care what's going on around me. Folks, I'm the happiest then. It just makes my heart happy. Another time I'm one of the happiest is when I can help people. And it could be through tragedy. It could be through hard times. But it's hard to say, but that's when I'm the happiest. I'm the happiest when I'm not in my office. I'm the happiest when I'm not going to meetings. I'm the happiest when I'm not doing a lot of other things. But when I'm out rubbing elbows with God's people, and maybe God's not God's people, 
with sinners. You know, so success is so many different things. So do we matter? Ask yourself, do I matter? Can I tell you this? God made us. He created us because he wanted someone to love. But there's more to it than that. Notice what the Bible tells us in Isaiah 42.2. We read this earlier. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, he who formed you in the womb and who will help you, do not be afraid. He's talking to Jacob, my servant. He's talking to the people of Israel whom I have chosen. So God piles on the good news with this. His investment for us is for eternity. Psalms 33.11 says this. His plans endure forever. His purposes last eternally. So God says to each of us, you were made to last forever. Not in this world, but in the next. That we were created for eternity. And this speaks volume to us about our value. And here's the point. We are on this earth for God's purposes, for God to love. We are also here to learn these five specific purposes he has for us. So if we need a purpose statement, if we need a vision statement, here it is. It's to worship, it's to fellowship, it's to discipleship, it's to do ministry and missions together as a church. And all these are designed with the idea we're going to live for eternity. Because that's what we're going to do in heaven. We're going to worship together in heaven. We're going to be together in heaven. But what this means is that our life here on earth, that our purpose here is just the briefest. It's just a warm-up act. We will be God's love. We will be his treasure, his trophy for eternity, here and there also. I like how Rick Warren puts it. He says, this is kindergarten. This is preschool. This is just spring training on earth. I mean, think back to kindergarten. That was a pretty cool time, wasn't it? Cookies, Kool-Aid, naps. I mean, four snaps at that. But nap time, how awesome would that be to go back to kindergarten and be able to do that? C.S. Lewis calls this entire journey on planet earth one small false step, one misstep as we start out. He says, one tiny stumble. Then we pick ourselves up, thank God for caring for us, and begin the real glorious journey. Our whole life here is just the first baby step. But we learn about our several purposes here so that we can please God by living them throughout the ceaseless ages. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.11, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, in other words, if we die, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Folks, all of this, as grand and glorious as it is, can I tell you something? Man, there's something better coming. There is something better coming. God tells us he is eager to have us with him, that he looks forward to that day and to have us living in his presence forever. If we believe that to be true, then life has significance. Proverbs 9, 6 says this, Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. By the way, this tells us how to look at one another also. How we need to be treating one another. How we need to go out into the world. Now question number three is about intention. So what is my purpose? 
Let's just get, what is my purpose? What is God desiring from me? And that's what King David asked God one day in Psalms 89, 47. David says, remember how fleeting is my life? For what fertility you have created all humanity. In other words, David is asking, why did you create us? And he's literally saying, did you create me for nothing? For nothing to go right, for nothing to be right, for my life to be nothing? And deep down, a number of well-known shake at a fist at heaven atheists out there have admitted, if there isn't a God, our lives really have no purpose. If there's no God, even atheists say there is no purpose. Frederick Nietzsche, who was an atheist, spent the last 11 years of his life insane once he realized a truer purpose in life. It drove him crazy. Bernard Russell, one of the most renowned from England, confessed in these words, unless you assume the existence of God, the question of life's meaning and purpose is irrelevant. So we need to think about those things. You see, all atheism does, it takes away the significance because the 70 years are now the cosmic drop in the bucket we get and also the purpose because there is no design with the atheist. To the atheist, we're just a bunch of DNA globbed together because there's no master creator. And if we want to know what our purpose in life is, we have to ask the one who made us. Please hear that. If we want to know our true purpose, you've got to ask the one who created us. We have to look at the owner's manual, and we have to go to God's word for the answer. So let me ask you this. If we're questioning even if God created us and why he created us, that means we miss the very first verse in Genesis. Genesis 1.1, what does it say? In the beginning, what? God created us. The very first words in the Bible. You don't think we're special? You don't think God loves us? That he created us? In the beginning, God created us. In Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Knowing God results in every kind of understanding. So we find our purpose by this. It's in your outline. By getting to know God. Can I tell you something else? If you want to know your purpose in life even more, get to know God better. Okay? It's one thing to know God. I can tell you right here, right now, and you've heard me say it before, the world is full of people who recognize a God. I see football players every week. Thank God for the touchdown. Thank God for that catch. But I can almost guarantee you they're not true believers. They don't believe in the one God, the one true God. So we find our purpose by getting to know God because he wants to love us. And I find my purpose by placing myself under the umbrella of that love. Paul says in Colossians 1.16, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him because of him. And he finds purpose in him. Ephesians 1.11. Paul says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined for heaven, 
according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. It is in Christ that we find out who we are. It is in Christ that we find out what we're living for. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. Now I want to start closing here because I want you to think about some things. And I hope you're questioning right now, okay, what's my purpose? Okay, God, do you have another purpose for me? Do you have a direction you want me to go in my life? Is there something else I need to be doing? What do I need to set on the shelf of my life that I can make more room for God? Okay, I know God, but do I need to know him better? If I need to know him better, what do I need to do? Okay? Maybe you're asking, and I hope you are, hope you go through the week questioning some of those things. Not questioning your faith. Please don't get that. Not questioning the relationship that you have with God right now. Not questioning that. But does it need to go deeper? Does it need to go farther? So in your outline, maybe you're going to say, you're just too busy. You know, Kurt, I'm just, I got work, I got family, I got all this stuff I've got going on. I'm just too busy. And I know myself well enough to know that when I think that way, you know, I'm thinking too small, but you know, I, I just don't know where I'm going to fit God in any more than I already have right now. Anybody? Don't raise your hand. Is that anybody sitting here this morning? You're just too busy. I mean, what you're thinking about right now, I'm not thinking big picture. I'm not thinking about God's love for me. I'm not thinking about his eternal purposes. I mean, if God is really God, and if what the Bible says Jesus did on the cross, I mean, he really did. And if God's purpose is to love me forever, then it's foolish of me to think that everything revolves around my free 15 minutes. See, that thinking is totally upside down, and it doesn't matter if you say it or if I say it. When we say we're wrong, God loves us, yes, but we're still wrong. We're just too busy. Remember what we said last week? My life is my life. And that's what I'm afraid a lot of times with Christians and believers. We'll say, my life is my life. And you can hear the word, you can hear the word, you can know the truth, you can hear the truth. But so many people in the world today will tell you, will tell us, will tell God, don't tell me how to run my life. Don't tell me what to do in my life. You don't have a right to question my life. I don't. You don't. Let me ask you this, who does? God's word. God's word. Too busy? No, we're not. We've made ourselves too busy, but we're not. Or you might even say this. You might say, I'm new to this. Yeah, I'm new to this whole idea of church. I'm new to this whole idea of relationship with God. I just don't quite understand this whole thing. And if you're in that boat, welcome. Trust me, get to know God. Get to understand who he is in your life. Or maybe you're going to say, well, I'm on the fringe. I'm just on the fringe right now. You might be what we call the stumbler in our Christian walk. Your Christian life has just been wiping out, literally, in recent years. 
I mean, you know what it's like. You're walking along and you don't see that ice on the sidewalk and you just wipe out. You know, we do that in our Christian walk too. We don't see it coming. And all of a sudden, we're laying on the ground on our back, looking up at the sky, saying, what in the world happened? And you see, sin does that to us. I want you to understand, sin is not this line that we could put on the, on the carpet, and we're saying we're on God's side, and sin is just on that other side. You know, a lot of times, sin is not as simple as just going across and sinning. Understand that. I, could, I look at sin more like somebody fishing for this huge fish in the ocean. They throw that big line out there, and when they finally hook something, it takes them a half hour to reel it in because there's a lot of give and take. And I think sin does a lot of that to us a lot of times. It hooks us, and we walk away from it, but then it pulls us back just a little bit closer. It goes out a little bit farther, then it pulls us back a little bit closer. And what happens eventually to the fish? If the line doesn't break, it's caught, it's killed, and it's taken to the market. Sin does that to us. It pulls us in so quickly, sometimes and so slowly. So no matter where we're at on this spectrum, I want us to understand. God has something special for us. Yeah, you may be sitting here and you're that seasoned Christian who has a whole new deep experience, more than you could ever imagine. Maybe you're seeking. Again, you're just checking it out. That's great. No obligation. I want you to come and see that the Lord is good. Maybe if you're crashing and burning, welcome home. Welcome back. I guarantee you God is still with you. God still loves you. God has a special place of honor for his prodigal sons and prodigal daughters. Don't you love that story when the prodigal son comes home? That's us. Acts 10.35 says this, But he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. So my question for this morning as we close is this. What's right? What's really right for us? What's your purpose? What's our purpose? What's God want truly from us? What does God want from you? And this morning it may be that very fact that we need to take that step of faith and accept him as our personal Lord and Savior to confess our sins. And it's, just, it's not to us, it's to God. And to be baptized to the forgiveness of those sins so that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and we start our Christian walk right here, right now, with a purpose. Maybe we're sitting here again and it's 2018, middle of January, and we're saying, you know, I don't know what my purpose is. Yeah, I'm going to come to church when I have time. I'm going to come to church. Okay, you're here when it's cold. That's, that's awesome. You know, when it's bitter outside. But I'm going to just kind of hold off a little bit because, man, I don't want to change what's going on in my life. I don't want to change what I'm doing. I kind of like what I'm doing. I don't want to give all that up. And God's saying, but you need to take that step further. You need to take that step closer. So my question for us this morning as we sing this hymn, I believe it's just trust and obey. Can I ask you something? Do we truly trust the one who created us? Do we truly trust him enough to obey what he wants from us? Are we willing to listen, not just with our ears, but with our hearts and what God's desire is?